Welcome to the Retail Asia podcast, where industry leaders discuss emerging trends and business models, their upcoming projects, and how the retail industry is evolving. And now here's your host, Tim Charlton. Hello, everybody. Now joining us from NTUC Fair Price's retail business is Elaine Heng. She is the head of retail business at the Fair Price Group. So Elaine is responsible for NTUC Fair Price's overall business strategy, management, and success of the co-op's business comprising supermarkets, hypermarkets, pharmacies, and the convenience stores, adopting customer centricity, operational excellence, and data-driven performance in rethinking retail. She has been instrumental in transforming Fair Price and ensuring its leadership position. Welcome, Elaine. Hi, Tim. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to have you here. Uh, great that we're all doing podcasts post-COVID, but nothing beats real life. And uh, of course, with NTUC Fair Price as uh, one of the biggest real life experiences for Singaporeans in their everyday shopping, let me ask you, how has NTUC Fair Price retail been impacted by COVID? And what kind of challenges did you encounter and strategies did you implement? Yeah, thank you, Tim. As we all know, there are three rounds of panic buying here in Singapore. And for NTUC Fair Price, the fact that we are an essential services company with the supermarket aspect, ensuring that we have essentials put on the shelves for our customers, it has been a real uh, baptism of fire for us. I think uh, some of the challenges we have faced, firstly, is to ensure there's no disruption to the supply chain and to sourcing. The real challenge is about the movement of goods to ensure that you know when there's a panic buying, how do we kind of get goods on the shelf from the warehouse fast enough to ensure that customers are being calm and know that actually there's more than enough goods to go around for all of the community. Therefore, we have to reconfigure our supply chain. We have to reconfigure new warehouses. In fact, some of our warehouses were set up in five days. We have to use stores as a hub and spoke to ensure that we kind of uh, alleviate the tension points from our whole supply chain. And we use our bigger stores uh, to send out and dispatch to the smaller stores. Um, We have also built atriums overnight in 24 hours to ensure that they are being used as storage of goods so that when all the customers come, uh, we have sufficient goods to go around. I think the next challenge we have is on sourcing. With all the borders closure, how do we ensure that we diversify our food sources and that we have enough uh, goods on the shelf and that there's no disruption to the supply? We have eggs that we have sourced from Poland, from Ukraine, from Spain. We have sourced from more than 100 countries during this period of time. The whole diversification strategy that we have actually put in place has actually paid off during this time. And the whole supporting local has been amplified as well, very much in line with the government's 30-30 plan that we should have 30% of our food produced locally by year 2030. So we work very closely with the government Uh, with different countries. Uh, Teams have been very agile in terms of ensuring that we source different countries and ensuring that, you know, even when borders are closed, we have the food sources coming into Singapore. I think our next challenge is uh, how do we care for the vulnerable group of customers, our seniors, for NTUC Fair Price, we have actually started priority hour for the vulnerable group of customers, the pregnant ladies, as well as uh, the elderly. So the first hour every Monday is actually dedicated for this group of customers. We have also came up with a mobile trucks where we dispatch to the low income and elderly estate 
And these are the little vents that, you know, come out and uh, we covered close to about 12 different estates on a daily basis, including hospitals to ensure that the nurses have access to essential supplies because they can't be going to the stores and, you know, joys with the crowd and while they're actually uh, serving the, the COVID patients in the hospital. Uh, we also started priority queue for the healthcare workers as well. And uh, we have innovated on many fronts. We came up with grocery pickup service. We, at our convenience stores, we have a grocery drive-through service as well. I think um, the other piece is on the cost of living. Because we are social enterprise, we're monitoring the cost of living, especially during a crisis, remains a paramount priority for us. We have actually extended our price freeze for 100 popular house brands products during this period. We have also introduced a 50 million support package to the community at this point in time to fight with COVID. And, you know, obviously, because, you know, I've spent 20 years living in Singapore, the concern is always resilience because Singapore is such an open city. But also, of course, if things shut off, it has such a limited ability to you know feed itself and, and produce and all those sorts of things. And so tell us about, you know, when the border with Malaysia kind of shut and, you know, everyone just thinks we get all of our eggs and everything from Malaysia. Tell us the egg story from Poland. I'm curious, how did that, that work out? As you know, what we have rightfully pointed out, 90% of uh, Singapore food sources are actually imported. Uh, and in Singapore, if my memory serves me right, we, take, we consume about 1.5 million eggs a day for Singapore population. And therefore, eggs is actually a very important food source. And uh, clearly, Malaysia, when the borders are closed, and we have a high percentage of our imports of eggs from Malaysia, we really have to look near and far to ensure that there's no disruption and Singaporeans can continue consuming eggs and, uh, and, and all. So uh, we work very closely with the Ministry of Trade and Industry, MTI, in terms of the sourcing of eggs. I think Poland, Ukraine, Spain were part of uh, the collaboration as well as thanks to our product uh, procurement teams where we actually work with intermediaries, work with different parties to secure eggs in all these different countries. And actually it's not just eggs because uh, we also have prawns. Uh, we just brought in the Red Sea prawns from Saudi Arabia. And uh, because it's the Red Sea, it has a very high salinity that actually makes the prawns sweeter. So it's not just on eggs, but it really, I think the crisis allowed us to think outside of our comfort zone and allow us to be very agile. And uh, to be very fair, the diversification strategy of fair price has actually paid off because the fact that 90% is imported in Singapore and Singapore is such a small country, it really requires us to build that resilience uh, and the diversification has to be the theme and it has been very consistent to our strategy, uh, which during this point in time, all the relationships and contacts that have been built uh, has actually paid off. In terms of getting these sorts of things, prawns from Saudi Arabia and eggs from Poland, was it mainly shipped into Singapore, which I would presume would be a two-week kind of thing? Or do we have fleets of Singapore Airlines planes dispatched to save the nation and bring all of the food back in? Can you give us an idea of the kind of logistical challenges involved in this? We adopted a multi-prong strategy. There's different strategies deployed at different points in time. Uh, I think there are points when all the flights were cancelled and we are not able to use a freight. So if I use vegetable as an example, uh, we have contract farms in uh, Chiang Mai. And what we did was uh, buy the roads. And it is via a relay team. 
from Chiang Mai to Bangkok and Bangkok and then to KL, KL to JB and JB to Singapore. This form of a relay team where the drivers switch but the truck continues was one of the strategy that we have actually uh, deployed during the, the what we call the circuit breaker period or Malaysia's uh, MCO, the movement control order. And this is a time that we have actually reacted when um, we have to adopt a multi-pronged strategy. Now, we actually use planes uh, to fly in from Mars and at the point in time when you know, Mars was actually in such a high demand. And then for fresh, I think it depends on the perishability, the cold chain cannot be broken. We have to take all these into consideration as we look at the different strategies that are being deployed. And I think because to be very honest, during a COVID crisis, we have to be very conscious what is a must have and what is a, a nice to have, right? So during all this panic buying, we have customers who are like, hey, can you please bring in our favorite pasta sauce of this brand? I think of all things considered, given that you know borders are closed and probably you can't find your favorite root beer. And that this is a real example of what I personally encountered as well. You know, you probably can't get your favorite brand but at least for us we do ensure that you will be able to get your pasta you will be able to get your your different sources but you may not actually get your favorite brand but to our best ability we will ensure at least the essentials are still made available and of course toilet paper no less that was the big one that was the big one I'm just shocked and it wasn't just Singapore all around the world the first thing people went for was the toilet paper I'm thinking get the food but no, everyone wanted toilet paper first. Um, question for you, you know, I noticed that obviously the brands change as we started going into the pandemic. To what extent did NTUC dip into the government's emergency supplies of certain food stocks? Was that part of the, the strategy or, or part of the supply chain or everything was still done externally? I think uh, we always have a stockpile on rice. As a starting point, there is always a stockpile of a three-month supply of rice, and that is how we constructed. And when the, the COVID crisis started, uh, we started to actually procure the different uh, food sources across the world. So there is a whole stockpile that we started to build as well on our own to ensure that which ones are the staples and you know which are the key categories that uh, assuming that borders remain closed for X number of months, what and when Doscon actually turned orange here in Singapore, what would be the safety stock level that we need to have to feed the nations before the next field comes in? Do you think that the new supply arrangements that you've had, for example, eggs from Poland, is this going to stay or do you think that eventually when things return to normal, pricing, competitiveness will switch us back to Malaysian eggs, for example? I think the key point is about supporting uh, local and uh, how we can actually reach the 30-30 plan by the government. I think the diversification strategy continues to hold, right? And as we look at the diversi uh, diversification strategy, it's really important that we look at how we can also be self-sufficient in a certain percentage, which is why the 30-30 is something that we work very closely with the different authorities and the local SMEs to support them. And it's a very interesting uh, challenge because for the local SMEs, they would need support to build scale. And it's only when you have scale that the prices would be affordable 
that it would attract a bigger group of customer segments. And therefore, we as NTUC FairPrice, we are very committed to give the local SMEs the head start. Uh, and there are a lot of programs that we have done by waiving listing fees, ensuring that they have a chance to actually showcase the different products that we have education uh, tours at our stores to talk about how the eggs, for example, from farm to table and how the entire food chain is being constructed to promote the local awareness for our customers to actually support local. And then, you know, on the other end, it's how we construct a portfolio in terms of which countries we need to continuously diversify because, quite frankly, things are changing every minute. So just on that 2030 plan, obviously Singapore is so land space limited. The government has even put a moratorium on creating new data centres because they use up valuable land. What gives the most food or nutrition value for the least amount of land space in Singapore that you think are going to be really key sectors for local production of food? Is it a chicken farm or versus a vertical vegetable farm? Which, which ones is Singapore really going to focus on given its limited land? You know, I can't comment on behalf of the government in terms of where you know, the, the strategy is. We, we do see more of the vertical farms and the use of technology through different uh, hydroponics to grow uh, fresh vegetables for the nation. So news broke out recently about the opening of the new unmanned and cashless cheese outlet in Tampines Hub. Uh, it wasn't the first time cheese went cashless. Can you tell us what happened when you first implemented the concept? What did you learn from the experience? How is this one different and how is it performing? Yeah, so I think, uh, Tim, as you know, we have a very first version of 1.0 unmanned store in uh, 2017 in partnership at uh, Nanyang Polytechnic, one of the schools. Uh, at that point in time, it was a very much a frontline retail technology to enable customers to you know, process their own transactions and, and all. It's unmanned, but then they would still have to take out a card, swipe it. Uh, before going out. And this time, last year, in December, we actually launched the Cheers 2.0, which is uh, using the Just Walkout technology. So we talk about no queues, no lines, we're not kidding about that, and it's simply Just Walkout. So the whole customer journey process is you will have to download the app and it'll allow you entry into the store and uh, you can pick anything you like and you literally just walk out. It's doing well, we have seen customers coming back and the key products would be like the potato chips, snacks and drinks actually being uh, quite high on the category of repeated purchase. I think more of the learning would be the driving adoption and the download of the app. Because once you actually download the first time and we're able to drive the adoption of the app, then actually it's very easy because the minute you download, we see the repeated customers coming every day to take a few bottles of drinks, walk out to get a few snacks and walk out. And I've been asked the question about uh, pilferage, you know, by doing this, uh, how is our stock take issue? Will there more pilferage, you know, or shrinkage in the whole construct? Um, actually, touch on wood, as it stands now in April, it's still looking pretty good. Actually, it's, it's very, very low. Penalties are very high in Singapore for pilferage. So uh, we should state that as well. You know, if somebody does pilfer and it's all on camera and they're caught, it's a, quite a tough outcome. And I think that having that very polite civil society in Singapore helps as well. Yeah, and with technology, 
you know, before we launched it, we have actually looked at different angles, how you can pass things to each other. And thankfully, the size of the store matters, right? It's not a humongous supermarket and, and all. So within the environment, with the different technologies that have been built, whether it's through the different videos, whether it's through the shelves, sensitivity and the technology that's all embedded, I think so far it has been doing as per our expectations. Very good. Do you think it's it's something that you're going to roll out to other locations? You know, Singapore obviously continues to be very labour challenged, and uh, I mean NTUC is obviously a cooperative, but the, the government is very much trying to encourage more Singaporean employment, and is getting tougher and tougher to find foreigners to to, to work and to find labour. Period. Do you think this is a solution? Do you think there'll be more of these stores? You know, I think uh, our key construct of every store that we open is really pivoted on customer centricity. So I think uh, it's really about the needs of the customer, the location, uh, what exactly are the personas and the profiles and the shopping missions. And then we will actually put in the store that is fit for purpose with the customers in mind. So as, as it stands now, there are plans, right, for us to look at more versions of Amen store, but it is also a whole journey as we look at the different formats of where we will actually grow. For instance, uh, this year we opened another of our hypermarts at Parkway, um, the FairPrice uh, Extra at Parkway, uh, to very, very positive uh, reviews and very, very encouraging feedback from customers. And the, actually, the numbers speak for itself, to be honest. And that is a concept that is built on our FairPrice uh, at Vivo City that I've actually shared, where you have the blended concept, you, you can pick and it gets cooked there and then in the store. We want to build stores as a destination. With FairPrice at Parkway, Tim, there is a cocktail bar in that store. So you will be able to enjoy your mojito or your whiskey and, and all. And it's really the first cocktail bar in the supermarket. And uh, it is doing very, very well, which is why every store that we build, it has to be pivoted on the customer's profile, the needs of the customer. What are the shopping missions? How do we create stores and experience? How do we look at the different uh, needs and how we stay relevant to them? I think these would be some of the anchor points. So whether it's another Cheers uh, Amen store with the Just Workout technology or another evolution of its next uh, kind, or it's probably more of the uh, fair price uh, extra in a blended format where stores are destination. Or it could be a smaller convenience store uh, where we anchor on fresh and we opened one at 6th Avenue also a couple of months ago. It's also under convenience banner. But this time because with COVID, fresh remains a very big anchor. And we have seen trends actually, uh, consumers shifting you know, to cook more at home, to bake more at home. We have also launched the Cheers at uh, FairPrice Express under the convenience banner. But it's anchor on fresh where you have a bakery in there and you have fresh food all day. And it's also doing really well. So I think to answer your question, it really depends on the customers and the needs and how we stay relevant to them. So you're saying a convenience store where I would normally understand it, it's all just prepackaged goods. You're saying it's a convenience store format and size, but a lot of fresh produce. Yes. Is it also fresh vegetables as well, or is it just the bakery? Can you describe this to the listeners? So we really anchor fresh. There is a bakery where you could get your donuts, your, your croissant, your sourdough, all the fresh bakes daily on site. 
Okay, so I think uh, that's one. You could get fruit and vegetables and cheeses and uh, milk and you know, any ready-to-eat meals. So for this new convenience uh, format that we have anchored on, it is uh, very much on the theme of fresh all day to serve the needs of the customer in this area. When we look at the different customers' uh, demographics and profile in this zone, we felt that there is actually a gap you know, we did not let the size of the store uh, stop us from actually doing something. And therefore, this is how we have innovated to stay relevant, how we have actually curated. And it's not just fresh. So we also have, like, you can get, you know, beer in a bottle as well. Because in the day, the customer profile is different. But when it comes to night, people could actually sit outside on a little small patio and just enjoy a beer. There's craft beer that you can actually buy in a pitcher. That's at the 6th Avenue uh, location? Yes, it is. I've, I've sat out there at the, at the wine bar, the 1881, a few times. So uh, when I come back, I'll look forward to going to the NTUC there and, and sitting outside. And you drink on one side and you order all of your uh, food from the other side and they send it over. Um, tell us about the cocktail bar. Who's drinking at this cocktail bar back in Marine Parade, was it? And what other amenities are there inside your Hypermart concept? So at uh, Parkway, it's interesting. We actually have uh, couples with kids that actually drinks at the cocktail bar. What the team has actually done strategically, and they have proven me wrong, to be very honest. So this is a very interesting point. When we first designed and curated the store, next to this cocktail bar is actually a kids sustainability zone where they could actually make certain crafts or you know entertain themselves. And I was like, okay, do we really want to put the cocktail bar for people to come for cocktail next to this area and it's also the dining area right you can actually buy your food and get it cooked and you sit there and the team basically said well because we noticed that at Parkway there's a lot of uh, young families and they noticed that there's a lot of tuition classes and all that in the shopping mall itself and they said well when parents come they can actually relax and have a drink or two while the kids actually do some arts and crafts and I was like okay but what happens if, you know, single without kids, you know, would they actually come as well? Because then wouldn't that be too noisy and all? But I was proven wrong by the team. So we do see a lot of young families in the evenings. They will have the dinner and then they'll grab a cocktail at the cocktail bar. Then the kids could actually entertain themselves in the kids' zone. Or the mom would actually go shopping and make the trip and then come back while the meal is being served. So I think ultimately it's about destination, the curation of services. And it's no longer just, you know, coming to the store and, and buying groceries. It has to be more experiential. I think stores have to be more of a discovery and uh, exploration space. And it has to be more theatre in, in the new world. So you have the, uh, the cocktail bar, you have the kids' discovery area. What other things can people find that are not in your traditional supermarket at the hypermarket at Parkway Parade? Firstly, when we curate Parkway, again, we look at some of the new trends and themes, right? So with COVID, definitely health and wellness becomes a very big theme. Uh, and we acknowledge that people are getting more health conscious, you know, just, just being more aware in terms of some of the different vital signs and the, the state of physical and mental well-being. So in the store itself, we have this uh, health and wellness. We have Unity, which is our pharmacy. We have this Dr. Carrot machine. So with this Dr. Carrot, there will be an on-site specialist where you would be able to know your metabolic age just by 
standing on this machine with 11 of your vital signs. They would be able to tell you and then you would be able to get a diagnosis in terms of, hey, you know, these are some of the things that you may want to watch out for. So this would be something at Parkway that you can watch out for. We have a dietitian tours. So what we do is that uh, you are what you eat and uh, very much amplified by health and wellness. What we do is we have a full-fledged dietitian. We work with all of them in terms of the food tour around all of the supermarket, including fresh, to recommend what are some of the food that you could cook, what are some of the high on anti antioxidant, what are some of the things and recipes that you could be looking at, right down to the vitamins and supplements. So typically for dietitian, it tends to be on uh, just on vitamins and, and supplements and all, but we have actually extended all of that into the fresh area, including recipes for nutritional value that you could potentially look at. So so I think for Parkway, you would find that that is very much anchored on the health and wellness. And then on supporting local is being amplified because very much with our commitment uh, to support local SMEs. So we brought in Jaya Spices. Uh, one of the key things about the East area where Parkway is, there are the different ethnic mix and we brought in Jaya, which is all the different Indian spices and also it's almost like a spice garden. He's, he was being labelled by CNA as uh, magic hands. So we actually reach out to him and use his hands to actually curate the different spices depending on what you want to cook, from chicken curry to fish to rendang and everything is actually personalised. So we have him here in the store. He used to operate at one of the markets and we invited him and he got really, really excited and it was such a touching story, Tim, because on the first day when Parkway opened, he wrote on his blog that he stands you know, from, from a market and he's a graduate and he spent time and years wondering why is he doing this trade when all of his friends are out there in banks and all. And now at the epicenter of a modern supermarket where he has his own store and his own brand, Basically, this is being brought to life. And these are the stories of how you know, we really want to translate our desire to help local SMEs into actions. And Jaya Spice is one of them. We have a corner where we support locals. So you have Nanyang Coffee where it used to be a B2B for hotels and uh, different industries. But now we have, to have actually uh, waived the listing fees and we gave them a platform where they could actually showcase their products for three to six months. And if it works, we will actually roll out to all of our network of stores where we have more than you know, in excess of 380 stores. So we have that as a testing port for them as well. Uh, not sure if you like beef and all, there's a Snow Age beef. We have sous machines that you know, uh, have all the pre-cooked meals that you would be able to, to take on. Uh, I call it rethinking retail and, and think of the box a bit differently. We have the blended concept where you'll be able to pick the fish or your lobster or your crab, get it cooked on site and uh, you will be able to eat there. And of course, uh, with our huge assortment of craft beer, we brought in uh, the whole range of craft beer as well, award-winning items uh, in the store that you would be able to enjoy it then and then. And there's a special blasting service that you can pick your wine in less than 10 minutes, you will be able to enjoy it because you have a, a special machine that would be able to blast and uh, get it chilled for you to be enjoyed there. Yeah, no, the, the theatre of food, which is what restaurants have been doing lately, you know, trying to make things more interesting and visually, it seems is going through all retail. So some good, some good things that you've done there. We look forward to seeing it. Now, what are some projects you're working on now that you can give us a sneak peek at that you're excited about? 
there are different formats that we are looking at. So probably finance concept. How do we kind of look at the finance of finance? I think uh, that's what we are looking at. Is that mean like even more atas than than finest? I wouldn't say even more atas, but I think more of theatre, more experiences. The curation of the products and services would be different, and this is again an extension of our new stores that we have opened for finest. We opened the、uh, finest at Atra, as well as Lequest, and these are what six months ago or so. And for these two stores, there is a concierge service. Uh, where you'll be able to call us and tell us what you want. You're having a barbecue tomorrow night for you know twenty people. We will be able to prepack all the chicken wings, get it marinated, get the beer sorted for you. So these are some of the new concepts and new services that we are providing as we look at personalization of services, as we look at the curation of products, as we look at stores as a destination. How do you charge customers for concierge service? Because Everything tells us it's the other way. You must interact with the store through your iPhone and put in what you want, hit the button, and wait for our delivery guy. So, how do you how do you charge for concierge service? How do you make it work? I think as, as it stands now, we are testing, so we have actually waived it with a minimum spend. And、uh, so far, for the customers who have actually used it,、uh, they have no problem hitting the minimum spend. What is the minimum spend currently?、Uh, it ranges from sixty to eighty, depending on the vicinity. But what we are saying is because again, that's why the customer centricity is quite important in terms of how we curate. These stores are located where there are、uh, the condos and the apartments and the HDBs and and all. So because of that, we are able to fulfill a service commitment in this zone area. Well, that is very interesting. That's a that's a real deviation from the way that we think retail is going, which is more technology to deliver the customer interaction. You actually have a. The concierge, you can phone up and and tell them to get your barbecue. Any immediate feedback from that? I think that we still believe that the omni-channel strategy is the right one, especially with COVID. I think、uh, the acceleration of people shopping online, the whole digitization. I think、uh, it is a trend and it's definitely getting there. But I do think again that it is based on the shopping missions and how we make stores as destinations. I think there will be times when okay, by the click of a button, you just want something delivered to you, right? And other times it could be when you go down to a store, you know, you want to pick your own produce, you want that interaction, or you you probably want somebody to serve you. So in addition, we also have fresh ambassadors in these stores. So the fresh ambassador,、uh, they will actually greet you and. They'll tell you, okay, what is seasonal? What you should be looking at? What you can potentially be cooking?、Um, and again, that interaction and、uh, being social creatures and how we build that emotional connection, how we build stores as community hubs that people could come and interact. I think that stays core to our brick and mortar. And we still believe that there is a role for stores, and there's also a role for online. And I think the in between space would be the unmanned store. That we have launched, like Cheers, in our store where you can use a scan and go, right? Where you empower customers to actually skip queues, but you can still pick all you want,、uh, and you're in the store and you use your phone to scan the different products, and you just walk out. So I think again, you know, there isn't a one size fits all approach because our customers are actually changing. And、uh, there are different needs for different customer segments depending on the life stage and the shopping mission. When you come into a store first thing in the morning, it's very different from if you were to come to the store end of the day, 
right? And it also depends where the store is located. And we learned that in the convenience stores. So if this convenience store is near your office when you're leaving home, it's probably for breakfast. But when you're coming home in the evening, then it's for browsing. And it's a completely different shopping mission, even though it's the same person. So I think it really depends on the needs and the reason why people come to a store. And there's different strokes for different folks. And we shouldn't be looking at uh, customers in a one-size-fits-all approach. Singapore is certainly probably one of the most competitive grocery markets I can say in the world. We've both Alibaba competing through uh, Red Mart and then Amazon competing with their prime product. I think they've renamed it now over there. And then obviously yourselves and, and the other groups incredibly competitive to try and uh, keep attracting and keep the attention of all of these different segments and times of day. So terrific. All right, Elaine, thank you very much. Very interesting interview. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Tim. Thank you for listening. Subscribe to our channel on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcast. For more information, check out retailasia.com.